All right. Hey, good morning. Three Circle, all of our campuses joining us. Hey, I want to tell you a story about one of the best sandwiches I've ever had. Can, can we just talk about the best, one of the best sandwiches I've ever had? Let me tell you how this went down. So at the beginning of the summer, I was speaking at a conference in Tampa, Florida, and we couldn't get the flights right for me to get down there and also be able to see one of my kids play a big ball game that they were in. So I ended up renting a car, took the drive, okay? Everything went fine heading down to Tampa, but on the way back, heading back from Tampa, uh, my attention span can be kind of short. And so I uh, wasn't paying attention the way I should to the GPS. I was listening to a podcast and I'm coming up. Uh, I-75, and I just drove right past that left turn I was supposed to take uh, to hit I-10. So uh, I see a welcome to Georgia sign. Uh, that kind of stuff starts happening. I realized I had not done what I was supposed to do. So I just replug into the GPS. Hey, here's where I'm trying to go. And my phone took me on this drive that I've never been on in my life. Now, it took me longer I probably lost 45 minutes to an hour off of my ride home, all right? Uh, it was a longer ride, but I had no idea what I was about to get into. I went through some of the most beautiful country that I had seen in years. I didn't even know this little area of our country existed. I ended up in an area that looked like the old South, man. I mean, these massive oak trees and moss and beautiful homes. And then I end up in a town that I'd never been to. I pull through town and I see a sign that says Historic Madison, Florida. And I'd never been there. So I'm like, oh, this is turning out really great. It was unexpected. It was a longer, uh, longer road. It took me down winding areas. And I end up in this like, absolutely gorgeous town. I can't even tell you how gorgeous this town is. And so I feel like I've walked back in time, you know? And so I go to the downtown, which continues to get more and more beautiful. I can't believe I've never been here. And I pull into this old restaurant because it's lunchtime. And I walk in. And this lady, it's like, it's like in towns like that, they know when you're not from there, right? Everybody's kind of looking at you when you walk by. So I go to the front and I tell the lady the story. And this older lady's just kind of laughing. And she was real Southern, y'all, okay? And she said to me, honey, and when an older Southern lady says honey to you, you know, it's, it, you know, it's going to be, everything's going to be fine, all right? She said, honey, you have come to the right place at lunchtime. She said, because here resides the greatest sandwich in Madison, Florida, maybe the best in the whole state. It is called the Madison Gobbler. There was no R at the end of it. She said Gobbler, all right? And the Gobbler is the turkey sandwich that they created and she said, I'm going to make you the best sandwich you've ever had, the Madison Gobbler. And she said, honey, while I'm making your sandwich for you, you go down and look at the shops. And you come back in about 15 minutes, and I'll have it for you. So I did. It's a beautiful area, right? And I come back in, and this is the sandwich I had. Here's a picture of the Gobbler, okay? Now, the Gobbler, they do that turkey them, the, themselves in their restaurant, and that's a, that is a jalapeno cranberry sauce that they put on it. It's got a little stuffing in it, y'all. That thing was insane. It was so delicious. Now you go, why are we talking about an incredible turkey sandwich today at Three Circle? Here's why. Because I want to show you today that sometimes the longer winding route is the one that gives you the best story. Okay? See, had I taken I-10, don't we all know that I-10 is one of the most boring drives on earth? I would have missed all that. I would have missed out on the gobbler. And now I've got that story to tell the rest of my life because that thing was good. And Madison, Florida is gorgeous, okay? Never would have seen all that had I not been taken down a road I'd never been down, a longer road, a winding road. I saw stuff I would have never seen. Today, we're going to close out the water series, look at one of the most famous water 
things in the Bible and one of the greatest miracles God ever worked. And we're going to see how God taught the Israelites that sometimes the shorter road is not the right road. Sometimes the easy path is not the easiest uh, and best path. It's not the one that will teach you the most. We're going to look at that today. Now, we all know this is true, right? No matter which campus you are a part of today with all of our campuses, we all know that sometimes taking the quickest, easiest route makes you actually miss out on some things. For instance, if you're at our Thomasville campus, you can take Highway 43 right through town real fast. But what you really need to do is you need to take a few extra minutes and turn off onto Old Highway 5. Old Highway 5 in Thomasville is beautiful. It's going to show you a side of town you never seen. You see some of the prettiest, oldest homes in the area. You're going to see some of the prettiest landscape. You're going to see uh, old, uh, just old things that are beautiful. You're going to love it. And if you just keep going up 43, it's quicker. I'm telling you, if you go through Thomasville, hit Old Highway 5. Look, you can go to Gulf Shores and totally avoid Robertsdale by hitting the Beach Express. And sometimes you got to do that. But I recommend you turn it on 59 and going through beautiful downtown Robertsdale, which is awesome. And, and, and if I were you, I would hit Guru's for one of the best burgers in town. And all the Robertsdale people right now are saying, amen, brother, right now they're doing that at that campus. And you may want to hit the best coffee house around called Sweet Home Coffee right there in Robertsdale. It's pretty amazing. We all know here on the Eastern Shore, that you can get from I-10 all the way down to Barnwell. You can get through there fast by just taking Highway 98. But we all know that it's worth it to take Scenic 98. Can I get an amen? Because you're going to see some of the prettiest trees and some of the most, it's one of the most beautiful drives in America to take Scenic 98. And look, when I go to our Midtown Mobile campus, you can go I-10 to I-65 if you want. It is quicker. It's a straighter shot. But don't we all know that a drive through Government Street and Old Dolphin Street and downtown Mobile is gorgeous, right? So what I'm telling you today is we all know this is true. You take that easier road, straighter road, quicker road, or you take the road that's going to show you so much more. Today, that's what we're going to see. In fact, let's go to Exodus 13, 17 through 18. Exodus 13, 17 through 18. So we all know that God's people had spent hundreds of years in slavery to the Egyptians, right? That's what's going on here. And it was time after the plagues, God said, I'm going to get my people out of there. The rescue is going to happen. Finally, Pharaoh has decided to let the people go. And Moses, with God's guidance, is going to lead the people out of there. Look at what it says. It says, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines. Let me tell you what the way of the land of the Philistines was. The quick route. It was the easy route. It was the fast route. But the Bible says God did not do that. Although, what's, what does it say, everybody at all the campuses? Although that was what? Near. That was the quicker road. No, for God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the way of the wilderness towards the Red Sea. Say, maybe you thought that they messed up and that's how they got backed up against the Red Sea. Oh no, that was God's plan. God wanted them to take the long way. He's the one that backed them up against the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Now let me give you a picture of what this looks like, all right? This is a map of what happened. And if you look at Goshen, that's where they were. And this area up here, this little orange line going off to the right at all the campuses, you're looking at that right now, you will see the way of Horus. That's what's called the way of the Philistines. Look how quick that orange line would have gotten them to the promised land and where they were trying to go. 
You see that? But instead, they take the long route, the Exodus route. Look how long that route is. And it takes them all the way down to where they're going to have to cross the Red Sea. That does not make sense. That is not the quick way. But that is the way that God wanted. And today, we get to talk about one of the greatest stories ever. Wouldn't you agree the Red Sea story was one worth having and one now worth telling? See, the reason a lot of us, we don't have good stories to tell is we don't ever take the scenic route. We're always staying on the highways where it's easy and straight. But you gotta go, you got to go get a gobbler sandwich at some point, guys. you got to have some stories to tell. And the Israelites needed stories. They didn't have one because they had all forgotten. They, they're being introduced to their God again. But they, can they trust him? What kind of God is he? Oh, he's about to show them what kind of God he is. He's about to serve up on a platter a demonstration of who he is. They're going to have a story to tell forever. They are a wandering, weak group of slaves at this point. They have no stories. They're about to have one. So why did God do this? Write it down. Like the Israelites, God does not always lead us on the quick and easy path. And some of you right now find yourselves on a path that you did not expect. But if you are a believer in Christ, and by the way, even if you're the one that messed it up, because I'm the one that messed that up when I drove past the turn on the I-10 and ended up in the beautiful state of Georgia. I'm trying to get back to Fairhope, Alabama from Tampa. I messed that up. But the GPS was big enough. It's like there's lots of roads we could take. Here's a good one for you. And what I want you to understand today is many of you are at a place in life and you think you've messed it all up and there's no way forward and all you see is wilderness and God, God has plans for you. Like you're not bigger than God. God is over even your mistakes and has a way of rerouting your life and he's so good that he'll teach you incredible lessons and give you incredible stories even when you're the one that messed up the route. Aren't you thankful that God's bigger than even our mistakes? I know it's 8 o'clock here and it's different times at other campuses, but you know, we can get excited, right? About how great our God is. But he doesn't always take us on the quick and easy route. Let me, let me give you some lessons from the Exodus. I want to give you a few lessons that we need to learn from how God did this. Why did he do this? Well, first of all, let's look at the first one. The quick and easy path had hidden danger. That's one thing. That would have been the easier way, at least on paper. The problem is, though, the way of the Philistines, look at what the Bible says. They will see war. Go back to those verses. God said, I don't need to take them that way, lest the people change their minds when they see war. What's he saying? The Philistines were a military people. They were warfare people. They had weaponry. Who, who are the Israelites going to fight in the future all the time? Who's King David going to have to fight? It's the Philistines. They're the fighters. And these Israelites weren't ready to fight anyone. They've been in slavery for hundreds of years. They have no ability to fight. And so God understands that even though that may be the quicker route, there was danger on that route that they did not see and they did not know. And since that route had an easy way back to Egypt, the moment those million Israelites saw the warfare in the Philistine land, they might have run back to Egypt just for safety because they weren't prepared for that. So God, watch this, God was so good that he knew, listen, the Israelites weren't confident in him yet. 
They weren't confident in themselves yet. They were not ready to see those armies that were waiting on them with all that weaponry. That may have scared them right back into Egypt. So the first thing I want you to know today is maybe God's taking you a longer route because you're not ready for the shorter route. Maybe the shortcut that you're wanting in your life would be detrimental to you. Maybe that's not what you need at all. Maybe there's things that God sees in you that needs to be strengthened, i.e. the Israelites. They weren't ready to fight. They weren't ready to be organized. They didn't even trust him yet, fully. They're still trying to figure this thing out. They were not ready for the Philistines. So God says, I'm not taking you that way. God knows the path you need to take better than you do. That's good news. Now, I remember when the iPhones first came out, I was not confident in that phone, and I'm the worst dude with directions ever. Thank goodness I married my wife, or I would still be riding around downtown Atlanta trying to figure it out, because that's where we moved when we got married, and my wife's great with directions, and, and, and I'm not, and, and thankfully, thankfully, she's helped me through that, but when I first got my iPhone with the GPS, I was like, no way, like, can I really trust this thing? You know, you can, it's interesting, you can trust that thing. It really will tell you where to go better than, better than you think it will. Most of the time, almost all the time, better than the route you would have. They weren't ready to trust God in that way. He had to teach them that. So it had hidden danger. Secondly, the hard path, the longer path that's going to put them up against the Red Sea, it told a better story to outsiders. The world around them are going to hear forever about the Red Sea story. When they end up in the promised land and have to start fighting those battles, guess what story is going ahead of the Israelites? Guess what the Philistines and all the rest of those guys waiting for them and waiting for the battle, guess what they've got in their mind before the Israelites ever get there? This is that bunch of people that we heard about that God split the Red Sea for them to walk across. How intimidating would that be? See, they had a story to tell now, story about who they were. Families need stories. You all have stories, right? You got your story. If you follow God long enough, he's going to take you down roads that give you a testimony, a story to tell. And I bet all of you could stand up here and tell your story about how God got you through a tough time, how God was good to you, how God opened up the Red Sea in a sense for you, how he got you through the cancer, how he got you through the divorce, how he got you through the kid that went rogue for a while, how he got you through the financial meltdown, how he got you through and through and through and through. Isn't that all of our story? We could all tell that story. But how sad is it to not have a story? The Israelites didn't have one yet, but they're about to. And see, God had to take them the long route to give them a better story. Look, I don't have the gobbler story without that long road. I could have gotten home an hour earlier. But the gobbler, guys, was good. Number three, the hard path, watch this, demonstrated to the Israelites God's power. They had not seen his power in this way. They needed to know that they could trust their God. So he demonstrates for them his power. In other words, they left the Red Sea with a demonstration that there was nothing God could not do. That's good. You need to see that every now and then. I remember when my kids were growing, my sons in particular, they're both real athletic. And one day we were outside playing basketball and I played a little basketball back in my day, you know what I mean? 
So they were getting a little hot shot. I taught them how to play basketball. They're both getting bigger, stronger. And we decided to play a game. We play a lot of basketball. And normally I kind of sit back and do my thing. And one night I thought, I got to, the old lion's going to have to teach the young cubs tonight that he can still play. And I paid for it for days, y'all, days. The, ham, the hammies were hurting, you know what I mean, the hamstrings. But I just said, I'm going to give this game all I got. I pushed those boys around and jumped over them and around them. And I could see on their faces, they're like, this old man can still play, right? I had to demonstrate for them. But now they're, they're like, I'm not, I don't even play basketball with them anymore because I don't want to lose, okay? But there was that one time that I had to remind them, okay? Had to demonstrate for them, I could still play. Listen, God needed to demonstrate for the Israelites, this is who I am. There is nothing you will face that's too big for me. Now, it'll all be too big for you. You'll face a lot of things that's too big for you. You will never face anything that's too big for your God. And that is what he had to demonstrate to them. The hard path demonstrated God's power. Fourth, the hard path was a one-way path. This is very important to understand. Because had they taken the quicker route, the Philistine route, it was real easy to get back to Egypt. But folks, when the Red Sea opened up for them to walk across, you remember, it closed up behind them. That was an open door that slammed shut behind them. There was no easy way back. There was no easy way to get back to Egypt, to go back to the way it was. It's like, no, no, you're going forward. God knew that these people were still very, very insecure and that they would run back to a horrible situation just to avoid the unknown. And many of us in this room, we are stuck in a cycle maybe for decades because we are so afraid of the unknown that we will just stick to the path we've always had rather than trust God to tell a better story. Now, I could have easily said, oh, I don't know where I'm going here. I'm just gonna backtrack and I'm gonna back down to I-10 and I'm gonna get on I-10 because that's safe. But instead I said, you know what? I'm gonna follow this thing. I'm going to go this way I've never gone. Ended up with the gobbler. Yeah. And I just, I just think a lot of us, man, we just kind of plateau, don't we? We think, well, maybe God's done telling stories in my life. I love to be around people that will celebrate the past, but readily look forward to the future and next and now and today. Celebrate the past. Don't live in it. Nostalgia can be a beautiful thing. It can also be a paralyzing thing. We look at the past often with rose-colored glasses without reality. We think the good old days. The good old days are right now, today. God is doing a new thing, the Bible says. Over and over, he would say to his people, hey, commemorate what I've done in the past, but I'm still telling stories. I'm still writing lines. I'm still writing paragraphs. Some of you in this room at all of our campuses, you've put a period in your story where God just put a comma, and he's still talking, and he's still writing, and he's not done yet. Better stories to tell in the future. So trust him with that. The hard path was a one-way path, no way back. We're going into a new day, new life, new thing. God made sure of that. Fifth, the hard path was a transforming path. This is a road that would lead, they would never be the same. Never be the same. And I'm telling you that if I ever drive to Tampa again, I may never not go to Madison, Florida. If any of you take a trip with me to Tampa, I'm gonna tell you one place you are gonna go 
if we drive. We're going to Madison, and you're going to meet the sweetest little old southern lady you've ever met. And I'm going to walk in and go, remember me? And she's going to go, uh-uh. And I'm going to say, well, this is a long story, but this is my friend, and I want them to try the, the gobbler. That's right. I hear you, Robert Stell. I heard you, Thomasville. I can hear them through the camera. It's amazing how that works. All of our campuses want that sandwich right now. Listen, it changed me forever. I don't look at that drive the same now because there is a sign on I-10 that says Madison, Florida. I've driven by it so many times. You have as well. Take it the next time. You will not be disappointed. And what I'm here to tell you today is that God will take you down some roads that will change you forever. You'll never be the same, and that is not a bad thing. In fact, we should never stop changing and being molded by God until the day they put us in the ground, until the day our hearts stop beating and our lungs stop breathing. God is working on us, and you never grow out of that. You never are too old or too experienced to have God continue changing you. He's not done telling your story. He's not done. So sometimes the road will change you forever. You'll look back and go, I'm not the same. And then finally, the hard path, the long path, was a trust-building path. They learned to trust God. Not perfectly, but they learned to trust him more than they ever had. And many of us in this room simply won't take those roads because we just don't trust him. We don't trust that he's good. We don't trust that he's still telling great stories. So we hang on. We stick to I-10 as tightly as we can. We'll take a boring path in order to avoid the possibility of the unknown. And yet God says, I got a better story to tell. So let's look at the story, Exodus 14, uh, 21 to 23, then we'll jump to 26 to 31. We know the story, but it's beautiful to read it. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. They're backed up against the Red Sea. And the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night. And he made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the Lord said to Moses, now stretch out your hand over the sea, that the water may come back on the Egyptians upon their chariots, their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen. Of all the host of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea, not one of them remained. But the people of Israel walked on. Don't you love that? But the people of Israel, come on, everybody say it with me. But the people of Israel, they walked out on dry land right? They walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on the right and on their left. Thus, the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel, watch this, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw, so they saw. See, they would have never seen it. Now, God could have told them, you can trust me, but now they see it. God could say, I've got great power. Now they see it. Israel saw the results of his power, dead Egyptians on the seashore, verse 31. They saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. And, and what is the result? And here's the deal. Here's what changes us. Here's why sometimes the long, harder path is good. Because the people feared the Lord. 
The people feared the Lord and they believed. And we know how powerful that is. In the Lord and the leader they had given, that God had given them, Moses. They began to go, this guy really is listening to God and our God is powerful. And see, that, that long road they took showed them their God was trustworthy, their God was faithful, their God would be good to them, their God could take over any situation. Could, there's no mountain too high for their God. Like if God can do this, he can do anything. But, but you can hear that. But sometimes you gotta walk that long road to see he really is good. He really is that good. He really will be faithful on your darkest day. He really will sustain you when you think you have nothing left. And I can tell you that all day long, but unfortunately, the only way you can truly, truly, truly embrace that is if you experience that. So our great God takes us down roads to teach us that. He's the greatest teacher Ever. I want you to write this down. The Red Sea became a classroom, a classroom where God taught a lesson for future tests for the Israelites. That was the class. They didn't know it, but that, that day was the professor taking the students to the classroom. That Red Sea splitting became the chalkboard upon which the Almighty wrote down his formulas for the class to watch and learn. God was saying to them, this is who I am, take notes. This is how great I am, write it down. Don't ever forget what you see on this day. Pretty amazing, right? Now you would think that after seeing all that, these Israelites would be almost superhuman in their faith. You would think after seeing that, that they would walk out on the other side and go, hey, we will never doubt you again. You tell us to do anything, we'll do it. That is not how that worked out. Exodus 15, says this. After all of that, then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea and they go out into the wilderness of Shur. They went, how many, how, how many days? Three days. Three days from the greatest water miracle ever. Ever. Three days. Not six months. Not two years. Not 25 years later, not a new generation of people. We're talking about the same people. They still got the mud on their sandals. They went three days in the wilderness. They found no water. So they got a water problem. But their God just had proved to them that he could handle water problems. Hello. They found no water. When they came to Marah, they did find some water, but they couldn't drink the water they found because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. And the people grumbled against Moses. And they said, what shall we drink? So he cried to the Lord. The Lord showed him a log. He threw the log into the water and the water became sweet for them. There the Lord made for them a statute and a rule. And watch this. There he tested them. You may want to underline that. They missed it. This was their test. They had been in the classroom. They had seen the lesson. They had the notes. They had watched him split the Red Sea. They had watched their God work a water miracle and the first test he gave them just three days in was a water test. And they failed it. D's get degrees, I guess. Don't ever say that to a kid. I was just joking. They blew this bad. 
blew it wide open. So the Lord made for them a statute and a rule where he tested them. And he said, if you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his eyes, not your own eyes, in his eyes, and give ear to his commands and keep all the statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians. I am the Lord, your healer. So he's trying to teach them who he is. But they're a hard-headed bunch. You know who they remind me of? You thought I was going to say y'all. Oh, no, I was going to say me. Now, I don't know about you guys. I can't speak for you, but I know me. And I know I probably would have failed that test too. I want you to notice something interesting. Never once does it say they prayed to God and asked him to provide water. Not once. They just grumbled. Isn't that how we roll? They just grumbled about Moses to Moses. Not once did they go, hey, what are we doing? He just split the Red Sea. All we gotta do is pray to our mighty God and there's no telling what he'll do. Aquafina's for everybody. Cool Yeti coolers of Dasani rolling out into the desert. Instead, they just grumble. And that's what we do. We just grumble. Oh, taking a long way again. Look, you can ride down Scenic 98 on the shores of Mobile Bay and grumble the whole time that it's not getting you there fast enough and you will miss a really beautiful place. You'll miss those oak trees. Look, you can fuss if you go through Highway 59 and Robertsdale all you want, but I'm swinging into Guru's and getting a cheeseburger. You grumble, you miss it. They just missed it. See, write it down. We often fail our test because we forget the lesson. It's like they'd forgotten. One Old Testament Bible commentary says this, Israelite memory of victory displayed a remarkable brevity. I love that line. Israelite memory of victory displayed remarkable brevity. It's like three days, man. Did you already forget what he could do? But isn't that our story? Isn't it our story that God proves to us his trustworthiness, and yet we go our own way, our own path, we gripe and complain and fuss, and we miss out on so much that God has for us. We, we wish we could go back in time to what we in our minds have decided was a better time. And God's saying, if you would just trust me, i got a story to tell today, right now. I've got a story to tell with your family now, with your kids now, with your marriage now, with your situation now. You're never going back. He slams the door on that, but he says, you are here now. Let me keep telling the story today. Don't forget the lessons one thing we see here, though, it is interesting. Isn't it interesting that they grumble and they don't even ask him for help and he still gives them water? Do you notice that? Now we see the grace of God. He's not a taskmaster. He's a really good teacher. And really good teachers don't just blast the class when they fail the test. They just keep teaching, don't they? They just keep teaching. They go, okay, okay. Let me keep teaching you who I am. So he tells them, he says, hey, I'm gonna show you again. You can trust me. I just taught you the lesson of the Red Sea. Let me show you another trick. Here's some water, but you can't drink it. Now watch this. Moses, throw this log in there. They didn't know that it was a filtration device, I assume. <laughs> Suddenly, the it's just obedience. And God says, let me show you again. And if you know the history of Israel, he's going to show them again and again and again and again and again. He's just that good. And, here, and, and here's what this teaches us. God is always more faithful to us than we will ever be to him. He's always more faithful to you. You can make all your promises to God you want. 
I'm going to read through the Bible in the next three months, pray every day. And I'm not ever going to think anything bad. I'm not going to grumble. I'm just going to be a great Christian. That typically lasts till like 10 o'clock on Tuesday morning. We are weak and fragile, are we not? But our God is strong and our God is good and our God is faithful. So the point of the story today is not that you become a better test taker. That's not the main point of the story. The main point of the story is God and his goodness. That even when we fail our test, and we do, he's faithful to continue being who he is and teaching us and loving us. Now, what I want you to understand is when God gives us a test, it is not a temptation. He, ne- he doesn't want you to fail the test. He's not that teacher that we all had that relished giving you a test that you weren't ready for. Oh, they loved it. We just pray for those teachers. There's only a few ever like that. But I had one at one point. And right now I just pray for, no, I'm just kidding. Look what James says about God, so we're sure about this. James 1.12 says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he stood the test, he'll receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But what we did see in the story of the Israelites is he will test you. He will not tempt you. God's not dangling carrots to see if you'll bite. He's not trying to make you fail. He wants you to succeed. The evil one will tempt you. Your own flesh will tempt you. God's not tempting you. He will test you like any good teacher will. So some of you right now are on a long path you didn't expect. Trust him. Trust him. He's teaching you things. He's showing you things. But finally, I want to give you the gospel. Because if I'm not careful, I'll make you leave today anxious about the fact that you may be taking a test from God right now. I'm going to give you the honest truth. You're probably going to fail it. Or you're just going to do all right. Because we're humans. But I want you to understand the Bible is clear that Jesus came ultimately and he took the test. He scored 100. Perfect. And Jesus came and took the test of life for you and I, and he scored perfectly. And then for everyone who believes in him, he gives us his score. He says to you, and this is yours now. And you go, wait, isn't that, are we, is that okay? He goes, oh yeah, you're never going to pass it anyway. (laughs) Trust me, you're going to want my test score. You're not getting into heaven because you passed the test. You're getting into heaven because he did. Isn't that good news? Because he's more faithful than we ever will be. We close today the water series, Hebrews 10, 14, for by a single offering, Jesus, he's perfected for all time. Watch, here's us. There's Jesus, single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. While we're taking our test and failing them and taking our test and just doing all right, he's lovingly growing us and all the while we are his because of what Jesus did. So today, here's what I would say. If you're on a long road, order the gobbler. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you so much for this day and the close of this series. May we learn from it your power. And right now, as our teams come at every single campus to close us in worship, Lord, would you uh, be honored and glorified. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.